Welcome to this special episode of the CEC Report. I'm Robert Barwick and my guest today is Helen Edwards. Hello, Helen. Hi, Rob. How are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for joining us. In this episode of the CEC Report, we're going to discuss Morrison's war on cash is a fraud. The government is in bed with organised crime. And in a, in, a, in a few minutes, I'll talk about this in detail with my special guest, Helen. But the reason for, that we're doing this interview today is because we have breaking news. The CEC has just put out this press release. Morrison is banning cash so Australians can't escape bail-in negative interest rates. And go onto our website and, and um, have a look at this press release. Also, you can sign a petition specifically against this idea of bail-in of deposits, if you know what that is, but it's explained in there. But more importantly, what we're calling on people to do, I'll, I'll put in a plug now um, in case I forget at the end. We're asking everyone, we've got two weeks to write letters to the, to the Treasury where the, the details are provided, demanding that they do not pass a law taking away our rights as Australians to use cash. Now, you may not use cash very much because of modern technology. That's fine. But it's important to have the right to, and plenty of people do use cash. The reason they want to stop us using cash is so we're forced to stay inside the banking system, a rather sick banking system, I might add, so that when they come up with policies like bail-in, which is a policy of stealing your deposits to the prop of a bank, you can't escape it. You're stuck in the system. Or as um, uh, the, the global financial system gets crazier, they're moving to these things called negative interest rates, where you literally get charged money to keep your money in the bank instead of the bank paying you a bit of interest. And what happens under those circumstances is people tend to take their money out of the bank, and so they don't want that either. Right? They want to trap people in the bank. Now, the excuse, though, this is the worst part. The excuse is this is to crack down on organised crime and money laundering, the black economy, they call it. And that's why Helen is our guest today. So we know about this law only because Helen brought it to the attention of John Adams, the economist, a few days ago. And John brought it to my attention. We've been expecting it, but as usual, the government's pretty tricky and they released an exposure draft on a Friday afternoon. Now, two years ago, when the government introduced their bail-in law, they did the same thing. Friday afternoon, released an exposure draft, hoping no one would notice, and a sharp-eyed person in this office did notice and re recognised it as bail-in, and we were able to campaign against it. Well, in this case, Helen was the sharp-eyed person who noticed this law. And Helen, when you brought it to John's attention, what did you think when you saw that they were using the excuse of money laundering? Uh, what a load of rubbish because I've, <laughs> for the last, well, since 2014, I've realised that the Australian government aid and abet money laundering. They do not care one bit about what's being laundered and I've got, yeah, probably five years of evidence now to prove that, exactly. even longer. Exactly, and that's that's what we're going to go through in today's interview because that's a very important point. Do not believe their stated excuse for this law of, of, of cracking down on money laundering. It is rubbish. And before I get into that with Helen, I just wanted to make one point. You'll see in the press release... The, 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 the farce about this particular law to say cash transactions over $10,000 should be banned is it comes from a report from 2017 called the Black Economy Task Force Report, chaired by a gentleman named Michael Andrew, who happened to die last month, so I won't speak too ill of him, I hope, but he was the global head of KPMG, and K if there is a black economy in the world, it's thanks to the big four accounting firms, global accounting firms, including KPMG, Ernst & Young, PwC and Deloitte. They 
facilitate this massive fraud globally because the real money laundering and the real tax evasion and the black economy is done by the biggest corporations and these four accounting firms aid and abet them. And in the case of KPMG, it was the auditor for two banks, HSBC and Standard and Chartered, and Chartered, two British banks that in 2012 were caught running massive money laundering operations and KPMG was their long-time auditor. In other words, they got away with the money laundering they were doing for years because KPMG helped them do it. And the boss of KPMG wrote a report in 2017 saying, because of money laundering concerns, Australians should lose their right to use cash, right? No, we're not buying it. It's not individuals that, that are the responsible for these types of crimes. The, the little, little bit is done on the fringes. It's the big players. And to, pr to prove our point, um, let's hear... Helen, your story on what happened to you, because it's a, it's a story all Australians need to know and not and you don't get actually enough um, exposure for this because the system here doesn't really want people to know what you know. So before you tell your story, just give people your background, um, what you were doing before this happened to you. Okay, so my background, um, I started my life in the accounting arena. Um, I've spent probably nearly 30 years in and out of government and big business. And so I have an IT and assistance background, trained by auditors and accountants. So have a pretty thorough knowledge of what goes on in business. And I've also recently, well, I've been doing an international uh, investigation. So I've studied US law the whole bit now. So this all started for me in July 2009, which is probably a 10 year ago. So it's 10 year anniversary this July. And I was with my um, then husband in Brisbane, looked over and saw a little boy in a wheelchair and thought, wow, that wheelchair's not very nice. So I started looking at wheelchairs, people in wheelchairs, started looking into it and thought, well, hang on, oh, my goodness, we need, back then it was like 20 million wheelchairs. So I went on a bit of a rampage learning about people with disabilities. So my advocacy really started out in this whole event, um, wanting to help people with disability and special needs. So I started a course on Facebook probably in about 2010, Towards the end of 2010, a so-called white American male contacted me, said, hey, love what you you're doing, want to support you. You thought it was a white American male? Uh, yes. Um, I I have a lot of connections internationally now. I have an amazing Australian um, cyber expert. His name is Simon Smith. Um, you might want to interview him at some point. Simon and I pretty much scam the scammer. Um, Simon's also spoken to this person and yes, they have an American trained voice. So to me, back then, I had no idea who it was. I just thought it was a white male American who was part of projects who wanted to help me with my cause. Now, initially, I just ignored him. But over time, these people know what they're doing. They get into your head, they get into your life, they make friends with your friends, your family. It's just extraordinary what they do and how they do it. What did, what did he want you to do, this gentleman? So he was wanting to really just help with my project, my, my cause to help people with disability. But what his real intent was to launder money. So um, after a certain amount of time, they've worked their way into your life. Oh, I'm going to help you with this. So he actually sent me a check. Not a little amount of money, not part of your, you know, Austrac guidelines, anything over $10,000, as we all know, coming in and out of airports as well must be reported. Yep. Now, this check was about a hundred, was around 130000 US dollars. Now, I was suspicious all along, um, you know, these guys know, know what they're doing. They 
in the end they force you, you, you sort of succumb to what's what's going to happen. They know our system. They know how exactly no one monitors, no one cares. I mean, my criminal used to laugh and say, well, Helen, call the police. They don't care. Well, I can tell you now they're exactly right. So anyway, they sent me a cheque. They know that exactly in 28 days when an international cheque supposed to clear, a week leading up to the cheque going to clear, it's like, oh, my God, this is an emergency. I need you to now send this money here. But they don't want the full amount. Now, they then want $70,000 US sent to the UK. Now, if I'm part of the, you know, monitoring area for the Commonwealth Bank of Australia, I would know there's something not right because, of course, straight away it's an amount way over $10,000. Yeah. Because I have international connections now with very um, interesting people, $10,000 is just a fur fee, right? It really comes up if it's around anything over 50000 So mine was really a red flag, right? So if I was in that area of monitoring, straight up I should have been, someone should have questioned me, right? So 28 days comes, the cheque clears, 70 grand goes to the, um, the UK, and then the remainder is then sent via Australia Post, another biggest cook, um, and Western Union, right? So they then they want five grand here, something here, but there's an always in a story an excuse. So, so I there was, get, there was more than one check, was there eventually? Um, so initially there was one check that cleared, right? So that was okay. obviously to, to to get the story straight to reel you in, yeah. Reel me in. Anyway, of course, time goes by, so they want another. They send me, oh well, don't worry, my father's estate's being wound up. I'll send you another check, and I'm like, oh rubbish, rubbish. But in the meantime, they're getting into your head. They're making more connections with my connections on Facebook and so on. To the point, long and short of it, over a, a couple of years, um, there's over a million dollars of counterfeit checks, right? Straight away, the Commonwealth Bank should have called the local police because it's counterfeiting. They were checks that were from the HSBC, um, from Westpac Bank in Queensland. I've got copies of everything, it's all available. Everything is with the Queensland Police and the Victorian Police who have said, oh, so sad, sorry, case closed. We've done a thorough and, best, thorough and exhaustive investigation. Can't help you. So that, that was the Queensland Police originally. They closed my case in 2015. I then moved states, went to the Victorian Police in 2016, who I spent four or five hours with going over all of this, and, again, they just disappeared. So... Okay, so there was the criminals, right? So to the point where they begin to blackmail you, it's extortion, to the point where I'm living a double life, I'm too scared to do anything. I'm at the point where I'm nearly going to end my life because I didn't have a life. I'd lost so much money because once they've taken their money back, they extort yours, right? So it gets to the point where I just ran into a friend and she said, oh, Helen, you need to go to the police. So I've gone at this point now towards the end of 2014 rang the federal police because it was scary because these guys were threatening to kill me and my family. They took all the names of my LinkedIn. You know, there's I've got some extraordinary death threats. They've named everybody. If you don't do this, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the federal police, when they answered, said, oh, look, love, happens 10 times a day. Change your phone number, your email and move on. <laughs> but because you had death threats, which is a criminal offence, call um, local police and, of course, ACORN, which ACORN we know is just 
a joke. Anyway, I finally just, just for the just for those who don't know, what is Acorn? The Australian Cybercrime um, oh, Centre, okay. right? The Australian Cybercrime Reporting Agency, which right. is now being wound down because it's really incompetent and hasn't achieved anything. Um, so they're trying to rebrand that, like they've just rebranded FOS to AFCA, another corrupt waste yep. of time. Anyway, so I finally escape this torturous um, situation. And then because the police won't help me, I've gone back to the police and said, look, I've rang Western Union. They've told me I need to get a summons through you. You need to summons my evidence. And the Queensland, sorry, the Queensland police never contacted me again. So I then, in 2015, after nearly dying and living a horrible life, started, I ended up getting a new job and ended up overseas. And I had time to think back, thinking, well, how come no one questioned me? Mm. You know, these amounts were over $10,000. There were certainly cash amounts over $10,000. Yeah, these, these, these institutions are supposed to have all these systems that, to prevent right. this, exactly this kind of thing, overseen yeah. by government authorities, Austrac, et cetera. And yep. yet this happened to you and you were never questioned by any of the institutions. No. Right. So again, I raised, so 2015, I started saying, well, how come this happened? So I started doing my research. So I went to the financial obmansman, um, joke. I then started to learn. I didn't know about any of these people. I went to the ACCC. The ACCC said, oh, sorry, just another common money laundering victim. So sad, too bad. Nothing we can do. Go away. Um, so then I've gone to, I know every agency in the country, they're all just a waste of time. So I've gone to ASIC, I've gone to Austrac. Austrac said to me, um, oh, well, you know, it should have been noted, the AFP should have been involved or the tax office. And I said, well, I've been to the Australian Taxation Office and they said, oh, well, you know, the Australian Tax Office don't tell us, sorry, ATO said Austrac don't tell us everything. And I said, well, what are you all doing? Who's doing what? You have all these rules and regulations, but no one's actually doing anything. So anyway, Austrac, ASIC and APRA, um, which are the three regulatory bodies of Commonwealth Bank, um, they've all acknowledged, they all just said, so say, go away, pretty much. So I've been through every one of them. I went to the Reserve Bank of Australia. The Reserve Bank said, oh, it's not our responsibility. We don't care about the responsibility of the Australian financial system. It's all in writing. It's all there if anybody wants it. And didn't you discover that what your experience with these government agencies is the reason Australia is targeted by these scammers? Yes. So, so we, have, we don't enforce the law here? That's correct. So I wouldn't even say that they're scammers. These guys are well organised, trained are. by professionals, right? They're not just... They write us off and say, oh, it was a, you know, this scam or that scam. It's yeah. not. These guys know exactly what they're doing. And they know that our country does not care. One bit does not do anything. Okay. So my criminal, um, he used to just laugh. He used to like seriously laugh and say, well, we don't care. We've been ripping you guys off for years. This is just easy money for us because no one does anything. Right. So. Um, I go to all the different regulators, everyone. So I get to the point where I went to Tony Abbott, got an auto reply from the Prime Minister's office. You know, I've raised serious terrorism financing at this point because I'm saying, well, this is a national security issue. What if that money that's happened for me, and then I discovered, you know, it's been going on for 20 years and it's thousands, tens of thousands of people, is aiding terrorist funding, right? And so now that I've been learning a lot more, how do I know that this is not part of aiding war crimes, right, which is an international criminal offence? So I then 
So Tony Abbott, early 2015, Joe Hockey. Joe Hockey fobs me off to my um, local member, which is Andrew Broad, and Andrew Broad says, oh, it's your bloody fault. Um, and just and I said, well, I need you to raise this as an adjournment debate in the government, in the parliament. And he said, no, we only have those petitions just to think people are doing something. It's all documented. I documented my conversation. It's all there in the minutes. So Andrew Broad just writes me off. I then go to... Um, because we had a change in government, another another you know disaster. So I go, I then go. To, I'm going to I go to Turnbull and Morrison, and both I got a letter on the 3rd of December from from Turnbull saying, Helen, we're an active government. We care about what the people say. Um, this is now the responsibility of the treasurer. So I've got that much correspondence between Treasury, Scott Morrison, Malcolm Turnbull, all of them. Scott Morrison acknowledges me on LinkedIn, says, I'll send all my stuff by the ministry site. I sent all that. Three weeks later, he blocked me on LinkedIn. So, um, yeah, so anyway, so that's all the leadership. So 2000, sorry, just, yep. Can I ask, just just because I, I want to um, uh, talk specifically about the three institute, the response you got from the three institutions that did have some responsibility here. Um, uh Australia Post, Western Union, oh, yep. and CBA. What was what what specific responses did they give you when you challenged them on this question of why their systems hadn't picked this up? Well, originally when I went and made my complaints, Commonwealth Bank, um, I put they said, "Well, how much did you lose, and how much compensation do you want?" And so I had I had no idea how much money I'd lost because I was a I was nearly going to die. So that was who cares? I was ending my life. So no idea so anyway because I was overseas I had time so after work I used to go through my bank statement and then eventually I added it up and it was just sickening to the stomach of the amount that was involved I finally it took me three weeks to even raise a complaint with the Commonwealth Bank I then went back to the Commonwealth Bank and submitted um, you know what I'd lost and what was I thought a reasonable amount and I said look refund this amount of money um, you failed Austrac guidelines, you failed the, you failed the AML Money Laundering Act, you failed ISO standards, you failed Know Your Customer. You've like, I mean, I know all the laws inside out now. But I, I raised all this with them, and then they came back and said, um, "So sorry, so sad. Um, we, the bank, have no obligation to monitor or check your account." And they put it in writing, and then they closed my complaint. So I then went to the financial ombudsman. Four or five months of that in and out, and that was just a joke. So well, that's that's patently false, right? The bank has no obligation to monitor your account. There is an Austrac obligation. It's a law. It's a law. It's, a law. it's an international law, right? <laughs> so anyway, it's all in writing. It's all there. So that was Commonwealth Bank. They pretty much wrote me off. Australia Post this, also came back. So was this before their own money laundering scandal erupted? Yes, so my transactions relate to 2011. So the media and the Austrac scandal of the 53,000 breaches, they said that was a system problem between 2012 and 2014. Oh. My money laundering was in 2011. Okay. So they'd already failed to monitor and do anything, yeah. right? So that was that. So Commonwealth Bank and then Australia Post Western Union. Australia Post wrote to us and I have a mentor and his name is Ian Erskine and he has supported me all this way. Ian and I both went to Australia Post and they wrote back and said, well, we are under no obligation. It's your own fault. It's up to you to check who you're dealing with. Again, Australia Post is a financial a financial institution and it's a Commonwealth Government agency. It's also registered under ASIC, 
right? So it actually is now running around advertising it's a bank. So it must adhere to all the international money laundering um, laws as well. But they, again, have just written me off. I've got so much correspondence. They're... Um, it's, not, it's not that you would say, of course, you, you have some obligation as an individual to be responsible, but they have systems they're supposed to follow that if suddenly cash starts flowing like this, they should be thinking, well, what's going on? Well, that's correct. So with regards to Australia Post, they are a partner with Western Union. Now that I've studied the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act law, and which is the FCPA, Australia Post had a responsibility to do its due diligence of its partnerships with its with its international bodies. Since I raised, since I became aware of this and I then was getting no support in Australia, I went to the international regulators. So I went to the Securities Exchange Commission in 2015. I went via their whistleblowing um, program. I raised the major concerns about our prime ministers, no one wanting to do anything. Um, I went to the International Monetary Fund, IMF, they also just ignored me. But the SEC in 2015 obviously took on my evidence and in 2017, early 2017, probably I think it was January, Western Union's uh, lawyers, because obviously I'd upset someone somewhere, um, asked me to come and meet with them in Sydney. So I went to Western Union's um, lawyer's office, which has caused Chambers Westgar. 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 I, I took my mentor, Ian Erskine, Western Union said, well, you know, yes, um, we're going to offer you this. And I said, well, that's ridiculous. Um, no way. It's it's way more than that. And I now want damages because you guys knew this. You had an obligation, rah, 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 rah. Um, And then I just walked out. So anyway, that was early 2017, about a month or two later, uh, Western Union have now been charged on two accounts. Um, two counts for aiding and abetting money laundering for failing to adhere to their uh, legal obligations and reporting obligations. They've been charged. There's 500,000 customers that have been contacted internationally and they have a $586 million remission to refund um, monies to their customers because of unlawful behaviour. Okay. So that's only about now, a dollars each. Yeah, I know that. So it's just... It's rubbish, right? <laughs> so, so again, I'm now still on to the international regulators. Don't worry, that hasn't gone to sleep yet. So with regards to Western Union, um, Australia Post are receiving, so for every transaction that goes to via uh, Australia Post or Western Union that goes to a fraudulent trans, uh, person is actually um, illegal fee income because that money is going to a fake identity. So they're actually getting proceeds of crime through these transactions, right? So just, I mean, I've got all my um, transactions here available, but say, for example, if it was going to, say, a high-risk country like Nigeria, they make a minimum fee of $240. Now, Australia Post get a percentage of that, and so does Western Union. So this has been going on under my extensive research, at least around 2000. So there's a website called the FBI IC3, which is Internet Crime, and that's been... This stuff that's happened to me has been going on at least from around 2000. So over nearly 20 years, people have been aiding and abetting and profiting from proceeds of crime through these illegal transactions. Here's okay. a key question for you. When Western Union was charged, yes. was, that, was that in Australia? No, it's America. <laughs> so, again, so, I suspected so. 
Okay, so but in, in so what I've been pushing for is because I've had no media help, um, no main media, main, main, sorry, mainstream media help, I um, went public on LinkedIn, right? Um, sorry, I'll, so I have not stopped pushing that those two counts that Western Union have been charged on actually apply to every financial institution in every country. Right, so wherever Western Union operates, not only Western Union should be charged in each country, but so should any of the postal services that are aiding and abetting and not adhering to the laws as well, right? And I continually say that over and over again on, on LinkedIn, because that's my main channel for um, voicing all of this evidence, is that those two charges must be applied globally. So you, with the, um, with with your efforts to get the politicians to take this seriously and the regulators to take this seriously, and you get nothing from them, I believe you finally went to the Governor General. Yes, I went to the Governor go? General. I went to the Governor General. I think it was in it was definitely I think October two thousand and fifteen. I, I have all my correspondence. I would not ever say anything else without any evidence to support. I asked the Governor General for a royal commission, and I wanted the royal commission on the on the government, I wanted it on from the Prime Minister down. And the Governor-General wrote back to me saying, initially, um, can't get involved because of an act of 1902 or 1904, I think it was, that he couldn't do anything. I since learnt that, that he has the reserve power so he can do whatever he wants because he's the representative of the Queen, right, if we are going to go down the monarch path. So that didn't get me anywhere. I just got that correspondence. And then I learn about Royal Commissions. I learn about other things. So I went to the Governor General again. This time he came back when I raised, you know, I'm not getting anywhere. Um, when I, I wanted a Royal Commission, he then said in writing, contact Lifeline or your local gen general practitioner. Now I've raised a national, international security issue and he's told me to just call Lifeline. I mean, that... He is yeah. our Commander-in-Chief of our Defence. Yeah. Now, I've been even all of our Defence earlier this year. Everyone's just hiding. I don't know where they're hiding, but yeah. they just want to avoid this, and it's not acceptable. So what have you done? What What's that motivated you to take it further with? So because I've had no... Um, no one will now deal with me in Australia, I have since learnt... Um, about Rome Statute Law. I've now been examining what other avenues I can do to get action against this corrupt country. That is actually putting the entire world at risk. It's a laundering washing machine for anyone and everyone. Um, I have now put my case together to um, be presented to the International Criminal Court in The Hague. We fall under their jurisdiction for two, for two areas. That's another step but before that because we've now had a change in governor general i recently submitted a i was going down the international criminal court path a long time ago but i was just hoping that someone might step up that's paid to do their job but nobody yep. has so i then because of the change in governor general i've now submitted a request for a preliminary investigation um, and I've now sent uh, probably about a 30 or 40 page document to the Governor-General by registered post. It, 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 it arrived there on the 22nd of July. I've asked the Governor-General to step up and he has the powers to do what he needs to do. 
and we need to actually clean this country out. Well, Helen, let me now, just say that um, you know, I think the, the listener can tell or the viewer can tell from what you've done that you, you were a victim of a terrible crime and then obviously you decided not to be a victim and take up a fight against this and you appear to have left literally no stone unturned, right, but entirely alone and unassisted as an individual. Um, and, and the issue here, in, in case there's any confusion, um, they would, the government would claim or might claim that, well, hang on, this law, this $10,000 cash ban, et cetera, cash limit, et cetera, um, well, that's us, to, you know, we, we want to clean up this money laundering washing machine, as you just called it. The point is, though, you've, you're, you're living proof that we've had laws for years and they just haven't enforced them. As, they, you know, they don't enforce them. That's the whole point, right? I've been to criminal lawyers. I've been to various lawyers and the lawyers just don't even get it. Oh, I don't see there's a problem because they're all part of the problem. I've raised this with the Victorian Bar, right? I've been to Hain. I've been to so many people. There is not one avenue in Australia for us to get remedy. It's a breach of Article 8 of the Human Rights Declaration. I mean, there's so many laws that are broken. My human rights, everything. It's just yeah. a joke, right? This country is absolutely a disgrace and we need to clean it up and clean out the rot that has started from the top. Here, here. Well, look, Helen, thank you very much. I think we've, um, we're really running out of time on this, uh, for this interview, for the, for the benefit of the viewer. Um, but uh, what, what we're going to do is on the YouTube version of this interview, people can look, look below in the links and you'll see a link to Helen's uh, LinkedIn page where Helen puts up a lot of information. And if you feel like contacting her, try and contact her through there or through the, the CEC um, office and we can, we can put you on to Helen. Otherwise, though, the, let me just summarise uh, this interview with the point I've said at the beginning. They're trying to use the kind of crime that Helen has experienced as an excuse to take away our rights, right, as people to, to um, use, use cash, but, but not just use cash is just one predicate, to, to, um, to live free lives and have a banking system that we should be able to trust, et cetera. They've got no interest in cleaning up the system. What they're trying, what they're doing is coming up ways to trap us inside the system, and we can't tolerate that. So um, be inspired by uh, Helen's fight and also what the CEC is doing on these issues. Get involved. Write an email to the Treasury on this. The, don't Look, the Treasury is, is not going to be impressed by any one email. That's not the point. The point is... Um, we, we discovered this a few years ago, uh, Helen, when the government did something similar. On a, on a cons consultation like this law, they would normally get, say, 30 um, submissions, right? We can flood them with hundreds and thousands. And what the elected M when the elected MPs see that, they think, oh, there's, some, there's something there I have to pay attention to. And we start shining a big spotlight on it. And one of the reasons, because that, that, there, there is an effect from, from that kind of exposure. One of the reasons someone like Helen doesn't get exposure, but the proper exposure, is because the exposure forces action that otherwise wouldn't take place, right? Well, that's right. Yeah. And Rob, I've been to the Jackie Lambie. I've been to all of them. I, Xenophon, Hanson, um, Hinch, every single one of them, you know, that I could think of, either either acknowledged or they've ignored, Right. So as far as I'm concerned, the Senate and a lot of the members of parliament have either no clue or are just puppets to the corrupt system, and sadly. I, 
I definitely understand why you say that, but 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 what the point I would make to the to the viewer is that's what happens when it's one person trying to persuade a politician to do the right thing based on the facts, etc. And you may find a good one every now and then. More often than not, the system won't let them act. What we have to do is is have an army of people. Yes. In a sense, making them afraid, right? The politicians are better people when they're more afraid of their voters than they are of the system that they don't want to buck. And that's, well, they that's, work for us. They're they, there for us. Exactly, right? exactly. Right. And as the government are, they're here to serve us. They work for us and they're not working for us at the moment, so they need to go. So we're the bosses, we should pull rank. That's correct. <laughs> All right. Helen, thank you very much for joining us on the CEC report today. And thank you so much for the time.